Welcome back to the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I just got off the phone with Inner Circle member Heather, and this is by far one of my favorite conversations thus far. Fair warning, there is a decent amount of cursing in this episode, just in case you're listening with your children around. Might want to put the headphones in. Either way, we have a tremendous conversation. We talk a lot about what it would take in order for Heather to get to 17% body fat and maintain that enjoyably. We talk about the differences in calorie counting versus how to lose fat without calorie counting. We talk a lot about how to progressively overload if you don't have a lot of weights at home. We talk about a lot. This is a tremendous conversation. Heather, thank you so much for joining me. I hope everyone enjoys the episode. Here we go. Heather. Hey. Hey, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to get on the phone with me. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm really, really excited to be here. I'm stoked. This is great. So so talk to me. Where where are you based out of right now? I'm in New Jersey in Scotch Plains. Oh, yeah. You're super close. Yeah. How's everything going right now? Uh, you know, it's going. It's flipping crazy. Uh, Yep. I think it's like we're kind of at the point where this bizarre world has become normal somehow. So odd, isn't it? Really odd. And uh, <laughs> I'm over it. You and me both, my friend. You and me both. <laughs> what, uh, what's been going on? Have you been up to, like, are, are you still working? Are you at home? What's going on with that? Yeah, so um, I'm lucky enough where I can work from. I do work from home all the time, even before COVID was a thing. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. So I own um, a cleaning company, um, and we work out of Manhattan. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's been it's been very completely impacted, of course. And I kind of shut operations down like maybe a week before New York officially shut down. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, there is no work right now, but that's okay. Got it. You're you're yeah. doing all right. Otherwise, obviously, it's taking a hit, but like you're still okay for the time being. Oh yeah, I'm good. You know, my husband's still working. He goes into work every day still. Got it. Okay, good. Yeah, he's not a first responder or anything. Um, but uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm in a in a good spot. You know, my kids are healthy. I'm healthy. My husband's healthy, and so we're good. Amazing. How, how many yeah. kids do you have? Three. Three kids. <laughs> <laughs> how old are they? Seventeen, fifteen, and four. No, seventeen, sixteen, and fourteen. Wow. So you have a very quiet house. No extra noise. No bickering. No nothing. You know what? It sounds funny to say yes to that, but teenagers want nothing to do with their parents. You know. And, <laughs> got it. Got it. You know? <laughs> and they're all into devices anyway, like way more than I ever was growing up. So, like this lockdown is nothing new to them. They just go onto their devices and kind of hide from me, or I ask them to do things. Wow. Okay. And and they get along well. Like there's not much arguing between the siblings. Uh, no, they get along pretty well. I mean, they argue. Don't get me wrong. But right. um, like siblings always will. But yeah, they get along well enough that they don't really drive me too crazy on that front. That's amazing. And, and are they are they doing school from home? Yeah, yeah. They're doing school from home and it's working out okay. And the good thing for me, I'm lucky because I don't really, you know, they're so independent at this age. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're kind of self-motivated and they're really good students. So it doesn't really, no input from me on that front. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I just, I just kind of check in daily. And I'm like, how did it go today? Are you struggling at all? Um, are your assignments okay? Like, you feel overwhelmed by it? That's, you know, I kind of say that every day. And the answer is like, no, 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 we're good. <laughs> they are better kids than I was. That is for sure. I, I keep thinking, like, thank God 
I wasn't a teenager during this time because I would have been giving my mom hell. Like, and I already gave her hell when I was a kid. Like, I don't, I don't think that any of us would have made it out of this alive purely based on the the nonsense I would have been getting up to. So, I'm yeah. glad that they're doing well and and they they keep relatively quiet and they're doing all their schoolwork. Yeah, I'm really lucky. But you know, like thinking back to like, like when you and like you're younger than me. And happy birthday, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I hope you had a great one. Um, so like. Although we're in different generations, you and I, we grew up similar in the sense that technology became a thing like in the 90s, really, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So anybody born before then remembers what it was like pre-technology <laughs> revolution, right? Right. Yes. So I didn't, you know, from the time I was five, I didn't stay in unless I absolutely had to. And, you know, like we were out all the time. Yep. Hanging out, growing up, you know, being independent. It's very different today. So I think if this would have happened to us pre-technology, there would have been a real problem. Oh my God. I, I couldn't imagine. Because <laughs> when I was a kid, it was just always just, there was things going on outside. All the kids would get together. They'd play wiffle ball, soccer, yeah. whatever. Like it was like whenever, at any point in time, if there was free time, it was just like, all right, let's go out. Like we're going out to the yeah. playground. We're going out here. Like there wasn't really hanging out at home until yeah. it was dark and dinner time. Right. Or if you were punished. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's so interesting. Well, so listen, Heather, I, I know you're busy. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I, I mean, I'll sit here and talk with you all day. But is there is there anything that you had in mind that you wanted to chat about? Is there anything I can help you with? Yeah. So a lot, actually. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So I'll just give you like a little idea about me. Um, yeah, and please. like just really generally speaking, um, I have notes. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Because um, I'm very like I lack any kind of focus whatsoever. You and I get along incredibly well. This makes total sense. Oh, my God. And I'm like the biggest overthinker. So you put those things together and I just have <laughs> rapid fire like thought processes and none of them really connect or make sense. <laughs> OK, perfect. I, You and I are, are very much on the same wavelength there. Yeah. So um. You know, and um, the other thing about me, too, I think is I'm a really big procrastinator with things and it's not just fitness and health. It's everything. OK. Um, and I'll get to why I think that might be. And then maybe you can give me some help on that. Yeah. Let's chat about it. Let's go in. Let's dive right in. Yeah. So, you know, I, I guess like fitness has always been a kind of a thing for me um, growing up in the city, um, going to school. You know, I didn't like public transportation. I still don't. Um, I fucking hate it, actually. <laughs> I fucking hate Just for it. for being honest. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, there's no better transportation system in the world than New York City, or maybe there is. That's debatable. But you could pretty much get anywhere in the city, like, lickety-split. Yep. Um, But I still fucking hate it. Yeah, I mean, um, it still smells like urine and everything, so, like, there's that. <laughs> there is that, right? Um, So when I was in school, um, I went to Brooklyn College, um, and I used to get around the city riding my bike or – uh, rollerblading, which I forgot about until someone rollerblading is amazing. I used to rollerblade to high school. Yeah, <laughs> so that was like my main mode of transportation, and I forgot that I liked it so much um, until someone in the inner circle brought it up. Oh, and really? Was, someone brought it up recently? Yeah, I was like, holy shit, rollerblades! I remember that. <laughs> so I always did that, and then I used to, I I was lucky enough growing up. A friend of mine was the a fitness director at Gold's Gym. Okay. So we worked out together and I learned a lot from her. And then I was kind of always in and out of it for a long part of my life. Mm. And then I had kids and everything. Um, and then I stopped. Um, and then um, about six years ago, 
I had like mentally reached like critical mass, like just the whole having kids staying home, the isolation, um, you know, eating off of their plate all the time and gaining weight. So I probably went up to like 151 pounds. Okay. Um, which was the most I'd ever been by far. Even after I gave birth to my kids, I wasn't that, I didn't weigh that much. Okay. So, um, so then, um, I How started. How tall are you by chance? Five foot four. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. We're the same height. Got it. Oh yeah. Yep. Good people come in small sizes. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, I joined this like garage type gym. And, nice. Those are fun. Oh my God. It was really great. The trainer was like kick ass. Was it in New Jersey? It, yeah. It yeah. wasn't Zach Evanesh, was it? No, um, it was a place called Fitness Revolution. Okay, yep, understood, yeah. yep. Yep, and um, anyway, it was kind of built around the hit method. Now, if he heard, if the trainer heard me say that, he'd probably think I was, like, putting him into a box and he would, like, hit me over the head with a dumbbell or something. Yep. But it was, like, the hit-type idea. Okay. Um, and I kind of fell in love with it, like, huge passion for fitness. And it kind of all reignited for me. I had tremendous success there. And I did that for about five years. While I was there, we did a lot of, um, like, weight loss challenges. Okay, yeah. And um, they were great. And he gave us, like, a really good format to follow, a lot of instruction, a lot of support. And I was very successful uh, doing it at times, varying degrees of success. I probably did, like, ten of them with him. Okay. Um, but I feel like even though I was successful and I learned a lot, I feel like at the same time, because of my personality, I guess – and nothing to do with him as a trainer that I like that whole bad relationship with food thing, like, mm. like hit me upside the head. Mm -hmm. Like I never like really had to think about food ever really. Um, and then all of a sudden it became like obsessive mm -hmm. and I was tracking with fitness pal. Um, and it got to the point where if something like I would wake up in the morning, plot my meals, or that would be the goal anyway. Yep. Um, and if my meals didn't fit my macros, I was like, oh shit, I got to redo this. I can't have that today. I got to do this. Like, what the fuck am I going to eat? Like that don't fit either. <laughs> fuck this. <laughs> and it just, it got to be, <laughs> it got to be to the point where I'm also like a data driven science nerd mm -hmm. and like anything that doesn't fit into a box just is mind blowing for me. So I, I started to get very anxious about it. Um, and so I would either do either of two things. I would track and be like on point to the point of like extreme obsession. Yep. Or I would be like, you know, this is fucking exhausting. <laughs> and I don't want to do it anymore. And screw this. I'm and, out. And screw this. I'm out. Now, with that said, I did. It did work for me in a lot of ways. You know, um, so anyway, I started to develop this really bad, like relationship with food. And, you know, I've been, I joined the inner circle with you in November of mm -hmm. this year. Um, and I had just come off of a six week challenge. I joined the inner circle and went right into a calorie cycling challenge. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and so I was tracking Then Then I got back into tracking again. Um, and I'm like, you know what? Still listening to your podcast and stuff. I'm like. I'm right back to the obsessive old me. Like, I don't like this. Is, I don't like this. Um, and I also didn't see any results from okay. it. 
with that said, weight on the scale. I okay. saw body composition results. Okay, so talk to me about those. What what did you see? Um, well, so although the scale didn't go down in the pictures, mm-hmm. because you like suggest taking pictures as you're going through, yep. I could see muscle definition returning. Amazing. You know, um, so just to backtrack a second, I took like a six month hiatus. My mom passed away. I'm and sorry. then I lost, I'm sorry. Thank you. Um, and so I was on like a six month hiatus. I went into that um six week challenge, then I joined you, your challenge. Um, but then after the challenge was complete, um, I definitely saw body composition changes and I saw my muscle tone and that was really exciting. That's awesome. That's huge. Yeah. And so, but the data part of me was like, and the fucked up relationship with, I like, I love you so much. You have no idea how much you've helped me. (laughs) The fucking scale is no longer a thing for me. Thank you. That makes me so incredibly happy. I can't even begin to tell you. Yeah, like I no longer give a shit. I go in, I look at the number, <laughs> and I like laugh. Like it's, I don't really care. It's just another data point. That's all it is. Just another data point. So, um, you know, the, the numbers didn't go down, but that was before I got over my obsession with the scale. Okay. And I reached out to you. I like every single podcast I could listen of yours. I like stalked you like and Susan big time. And, I, and I'm continuing to learn every time you talk. There's something that I hear, a new message, something that didn't come through the first time. Um, and so the scale is no longer a thing for me. But before that, I was like, Jordan, the number didn't go down. Why didn't it go down? And, I'm, <laughs> and you're like, your message is like, probably because you're not sticking to what you think you're sticking to. Just pay attention kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Right? People get so, mad when I say that one. <laughs> uh, what did you say? People get mad when I say that. You know, it, it's a it's it's a hard reality to, to confront yourself with, especially if you're struggling with something. You want to think or believe that you're mm-hmm. following everything because it's easier to do that than to recognize the fact that maybe you're not. That's You couldn't have articulated that more perfectly. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's a struggle. So, you know, you've helped me really get over the whole scale thing. So, so now- we're... After we had that discussion, where did you realize you weren't being as consistent as you thought? Um, yeah, and that was that was like a little bit like eye opening because I really had to look at it because because I'm like 47 and because of my age and I had like questioned you during the live Q and A thing that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you were and I explained it in there and you were like, oh, go get this test, this test, and this test, and I did. And everything came back normal. So I'm like, now now I've got fucking no excuses. That's that's like the best and worst thing simultaneously. Yeah. You get all of like you get your metabolic cart test, you get your thyroid checked. You're like, all right, if this comes back where something's wrong, amazing. Because now I know that I've been giving it my all. And clearly like the issue with my metabolism or my health was the problem. But if it comes back, everything's healthy, then you know, like, all right, there's something wrong with what I'm doing, which yeah. is one of the most demoralizing things, but also empowering in the same moment. Right. Like when I realized, when I had that realization, I'm like, I wanted to like, again, I want to pick up a dumbbell and hit myself in the head with it. Like, <laughs> like really? So like, I'm, I'm at this for all these months and I'm really the culprit here. Like, cause I'm not sticking to the plan. So, so what happened? So you, you get these results, you realize that everything is healthy. How, what did you realize? How, how did you realize you weren't being as consistent as you thought you were? Where were you going wrong? 
Well, I think because it really forced me to like shine a light on what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, you know, calories kind of sneak in where you least expect them to. That's exactly right. And I think, you know, I've been at this for so long. You know, you have this, such an, inf- well, not you, me, such an inflated sense of self. <laughs> You've got a really inflated sense of self. <laughs> in the sense, like, you think, like, I know how to do this. Yep. I know how to count calories. So clearly the problem's not me. (laughs) (laughs) When, so that's, that's kind of what it was. I think I just wasn't like the little ways it sneaks in, whether it's sugar in your coffee Mm -hmm. or if you're walking by the cabinet and you grab, grab a handful of, of, of nuts and you approximate what you eat and you kind of punch the numbers in. It's those, those little licks, bites and tastes. Right. Correct. Just like throughout the day, like the little licks, the little bites, the little taste, things that you you either forget happen or just don't think that it could add up to as much as it actually does. Right. And then I think there's also the element of like on some level, I think we like trick ourselves intentionally and knowingly subconsciously, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. That makes 100 percent sense. You know, like you trick yourself into thinking you're doing the right thing or you're not. Yeah. And it's so easy to get defensive, right? Because I think what – when I have this con- – because I have this conversation with people literally every day. Well, why aren't I making progress? Well, odds are you're probably not tracking as well as you think you're tracking. Usually what will happen is people – when I say you're probably not as tracking as well as you think you're tracking, what people hear is you're not trying. Yeah. And that is not – accurate, which is, and this is why words are so important. I'm not saying you're not trying and I'm not saying you're, you don't care about your progress. I'm not saying you're lazy. I'm saying there's probably a mistake happening here. There's probably something slipping through the cracks. And what I love about what you've done, Heather is, well, number one is you went to get checked in your health, which I think is incredibly important. It's like, that has to be the, the first and foremost thing you do to get the baseline of it. And then you're very objective about it. And it's funny, as you've been talking and and I'm getting to know you a little bit better, I'm like, I love East Coast people. I I just love East Coast people because like I I get along so much better with East Coast people. And I've noticed this time and time again because like it's just no BS. It's just like it is what it is. We're going to say it exactly like it is. And I'm sure people are like that all over the country and the world. But just I've noticed with East Coast people, we're very blunt. We're very straightforward. Some people think it's being mean, but it's just like we say what it is. And that's what I absolutely love about you and, and everything that I've heard so far from you is like you just take it for what it is. You say it and then you realize, OK, well, here's the deal. Clearly, I'm either BSing myself or I'm not. And here I have to figure out how I can move forward to make the progress. And that's it. Yeah. So now I'm kind of where I am right now is so like my my whole training regime is like. I train four days a week, um, so it, this is non-negotiable. Train four, yeah, train four days a week, cardio three days a week, core three days a week. Um, I love that. That's a great schedule. That's that's a lot. It's a great schedule, though. Do you it, like it? Do you enjoy it? Yeah, like I have a huge passion for it, and um, and that's this is a good segue into one of my big issues. Okay. And you actually address this with me. Um, in one of the Q&A things, and you showed me your book for goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm a procrastinator. So, like, because I work from home, there's always this mindset, oh, I can do it whenever. Yeah, it's a dangerous mindset, and I, I've struggled with that for a long time as well. It's, it's it's a tough thing to overcome. And 
I really like information. I like data. I like to read. Right now, I'm reading that. I think his name is James Smith, that guy that you recommended. Yeah, not a not another diet book or something. That's it. I'm reading that. Yeah. Yep, it's a great um, book. Yeah, along with two other books. And so, like, I I'm scattered, like I said. And um, one of my big challenges is the whole goal thing. So, for instance, like, I'll hear you say something or Susan say something. Um, and I'll get totally pumped because like, I have this like light bulb moment. Um, and I'm like, that's it. I'm going to do this, 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 and this, 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 and this, and this, and then this, this, and this. <laughs> and I don't write anything down and I like kind of jump in to the deep end and I don't know how to swim. And then like, even though like I might stick to my non-negotiables, I kind of try to keep like little other challenges in there to keep things interesting or goals. And I feel like I'm all over the place and what is too much. And, and I'm just not effective. And then I, I kick myself in the ass rather than um, like kind of patting myself on the back for sticking with my non-negotiables, which is a big thing. I'm training a lot. It's huge. Um, I just, I'm all over the map with that and I need help with goals. Like, I've heard you talk about your North Star, and I've heard people talk about bright lines. I don't know what my North Star is, and I don't know what my bright lines are. Well, that you you've identified the problem, yeah. which is the best part. Like usually, on one of these calls, the work would be working towards understanding that not having a goal and not having bright lines is the problem. That would be the majority of the call. But you know that going into it, you know a major issue right now is you don't have a North Star, you don't have bright lines. So now we can dive right into it. That That's yeah. very good self-awareness. My question to you would be is, what are some of your goals? Like, what do you want to achieve? Like, what, let me, actually, you know what, let me ask you this. Let's say from this moment mm -hmm. going forward we start doing something different. We we change something. Let's say, let's say in three months from today, yeah, you look back on, on this call, you look back on everything you've done, what would have to happen? And, and I would say, try to keep this to, I would say a hundred, 150 words or less. What would have to happen in the next three months for you to look back on all of the work that you put in for you to have to, for you to look back and say, that was worth it. Right. So if I understand correctly, like, where will I be three months from now? Yeah. What would have to happen in the next three months for you to look back on all of the effort that you put in training, nutrition, everything? What would have to happen for you to look back and say, yeah, all of that effort was very much worth it? Um, I think for me at this point right now is uh, like a body fat thing more okay. than, than a scale thing. I love that. The number doesn't on the scale doesn't bother me anymore, but when I was my fittest, and that was during uh, a it was coming off the heels of a challenge, right? Which is not a natural life environment. Correct. Um, I was seventeen percent body fat. Which is very low. Yeah, and for from a, a female perspective, it is a very low body fat percentage. Yeah, and that that's according to that stupid handheld thing, right? So as accurate as that could be. Yeah, those are usually within plus or minus three to five percent. So I mean. Yeah. Either way, it's pretty low. Yeah. So the last time I had it measured was right after my mom passed away. Okay. And I was, accord it was that in-body scan thing. Okay. And I, it was 
28% body fat at that okay. point. And I was like, holy shit, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, I knew I wasn't fucking paying attention, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Yeah. So I think for me, it's a body fat thing. So I'm 10 pounds away from my goal weight, okay. but I don't even know if, because I'm kind of so close. And I, like, one of my problems is, besides the goal thing, is self-sabotaging, like. Talk to me about that. So, if I reach my goal, right? Okay. My, so, it, I have a 10-pound goal, goal weight. So, yep. I'm 144 pounds. I'd like to be 133. With that said, the number doesn't really, I don't really care. But it's really the body fat thing. Which is Which makes total sense, and I love hearing that. Yeah. That's a much um, more important data point. Is it? Of course, you're, yeah. there are many things that can influence your weight. Your body fat is your body fat. Your weight is made up of many different things, and it can change all throughout the day for and all throughout the month for a very a multitude of different reasons. Your body fat percentage is simply your body fat. That is simply how much fat you have in your body. And, right. and that is a much more important data point than any specific number on the scale. It doesn't mean the number on the scale is irrelevant. Of course, it's it's a relevant data point, and you yeah. can see what's happening over time. But I think having a range of body fat is a is a very good idea. I, I think we run into issues with body fat and weight when we just decide, you know what, I want to weigh this specific amount or or be in this specific body fat percentage. Let's say you want to be 18% body fat, just to give that specific number. I think the issue with having that body fat is it gives you no leeway in terms of, well, what happens if you get to 19? Well, clearly, once you're hit 19, then just based on you wanted to be 18 is you're too heavy. You're, you have too much body fat on you. And it's easy to fall into a negative mindset and lead into self-sabotage as a result of being above what you want to be. Let's say you get to 18, and then you go off track, and then you go up to 19. I think a much healthier and sustainable way is to have a range of body fat. So if you know you want to be around 18, I would give yourself a range of somewhere between 17 and 20. Okay. That way, if you're between 17 and 20, you're you're in a very number one, you're in a healthier range, it's very low body fat. And I would say when you get to 17, if you go below 17, you're getting too low. Like nothing okay. good will come of that, only except more rigidity, more strictness, uh, oftentimes losing your period, losing your hair, uh, too much of a metabolic drop. Like going too low body fat is not healthy. And then yeah. if you go above 20, you're like, all right, listen, I'm sort of getting a little bit out of control. I need to rein it back in. When you have that range, it's like, cool, you, you have a range to fall within. When it's solely just 18%, you're either – doing well or you're not doing well. That's, it's, it, whereas the range, it gives you more leeway to, to sort of flow with it. Does that make sense? It does because it creates a much better mental environment. A hundred percent. So do you so think that that might be a better way to go about it, having a, a range of body fat? Yeah. So I like that idea a lot because, um, you know, being so specific with a goal, it's, it's tough. And, you know, mm -hmm. I think we're our, our own worst critics and absolutely that, that negative loop of that self, that negative self-talk that we can kind of fall into. Yep. And because I'm an overthinker, when I, when I negative self-talk, it's like screaming at myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, um, I think I've been engaging in a bit of self-sabotage too. Okay. So how are you self-sabotaging? So the training is consistent all the time. And that's for me, the easy part of things. It's yep. the nutritional part that, that I struggle with. 
Okay. So right now I'm doing the three plate, two snack thing. Amazing. Which like when I started doing that, it was like, I wanted to sing like as part of a choir. <laughs> yep. Because I just felt so free only because I'm not saying cal- you know, tracking uh, calories is bad just for me at that time. Yeah. It was, um, it was, a, I, it was a mental stress relief. It was. Yeah. Big time. So, so anyway, being so close to my goal, um, if, if I get there, th- then what? And I think I'm scared because, you know, losing in theory, losing weight or body fat in theory is the easy part in theory. Now I'm not taking away the hard work that it takes to get there. Right. But it's a lot. It's easier to lose weight than it is to maintain it. Yeah. And that's what I think. I think like I, I, I wanted to like really uncover this this week knowing i was going to be talking to you yeah let's do one talk of the realities of it yeah so i think like i'm afraid of of the struggle of maintenance so if i if i allow myself to get to reach my goal because the three plate thing really works for me yeah um but i keep fluctuating because i keep cheating (laughs) what talk to me about what how do you what constitutes a cheat what happens be fully honest with me Okay, so I used to think I had like a, a binging thing, a, a disorder. Okay. Until I, I read a book about it and then listening to people on the inner circle mm-hmm. um, and what the struggle is like for someone who's been diagnosed. It's very different than, yeah. Yeah, versus what I was going through. Um, it's the difference between overeating and binge eating. Right. Right, yeah. Yep. And then all of the guilt and, and the uncontrollable aspects of it. I didn't feel that on a daily basis, not even close. Well, that's um, incredibly important to be aware of. So I, I love and respect that you know that. Yeah, it, 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 I learned it from the group, <laughs> you know, which is why the group is so incredible. Um, so I like I, I think I'm afraid to get to my goal. And because I'm afraid to get to it, I allow myself to entertain that bullshit Ying and yang, get the fucking cookie. You're an asshole. You're so close. Don't do it. No, do it. You know it. And have the ice cream. Well, you have the ice cream and cookies too. Like, and then I'll do. That's what I'll do. And I'll do that maybe twice a month. Twice a month? Yeah. That's not bad. No, it's not horrible. It was worse. So let me ask you this. You said you're scared of achieving your goal. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, I just kind of realized that, and and I'm just kind of trying to get to the bottom of that. Well, what are you scared of? What's scary about achieving your goal? Maintaining my maintaining it. What it, what's scary about maintaining it? What if I don't? And then then I'm gonna go into this whole negative talk thing again. Like, if I'm close, then I get to be happy because I'm close, and I should be grateful for that, right? Mm-hmm. It's a lot more difficult, I think, to to reach your goal than maintain it and be really paranoid about going backwards. Yeah, I very much agree with that. Well, I would say your goal is to be, I'm assuming, and tell me if I'm wrong, your goal is not to reach, we'll call it between 17 to 20% body fat and be paranoid about losing it. Your goal would be to reach, I'm assuming, around that percent body fat and be able to 
maintain it sustainably and enjoyably, correct? Absolutely, 100%. The, the, the paranoid fear, anxiety, negative self-talk is not included in the goal, correct? No. <laughs> like, Hell no. <laughs> there's no point in achieving that level of leanness if it will lead to more anxiety, more fear, more worry, less healthy, less healthy of a relationship with food. Like, it wouldn't be worth it, correct? Correct. So with that in mind, it, it's really not a fear of achieving your goal. It's a fear of of being able to sustain and maintain that low level of body fat is that correct uh yeah i guess i guess so yeah yeah i would say so, yeah so let me ask you this do you think fully honest and objectively do you honestly think and by the way I'm not trying to get an answer out of you. I am truly just asking for your opinion. Yeah. Do you honestly believe that you can sustain 17 to 20% body fat year round without having any fear or worry or anxiety? Do you, do you honestly think that? I, so I think if I dissected that question, then I would say the first half, yes, I think I can sustain it because I'm so passionate about all of this stuff and it's such mm -hmm. a big part of who I am. Yep. Can I keep the anxiety at bay while doing that? I think that's like a, a work in progress. Okay. That's you a know? great answer. Where do you think, what would, what would be causing the anxiety? What, what would the anxiety be a result of? Why would you be worried or fearful or anxious? So I've been on a diet for like 35 years. Okay. <laughs> like it's like retarded. Um, <laughs> And I've, I've, <laughs> I, I can say that because I've never been able to maintain it before, no matter what the goal was. I mean, the goalpost has changed throughout my life, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I've just, maintenance has never been something I could achieve. It's, it's like the whole yo-yo thing is just a huge part of who I am. That I, and I refuse to be defined. Here's the anxiety. I refuse to be defined by yo-yo bullshit. But yet I get dragged into it. So my hope because of everything that I've learned from you and being sustainable and repairing relationships with food that I'm not going to go back there. Does that make sense? Of, of course it makes a hundred percent sense. Every word of it makes total sense. So you were about, you said 28% body fat now or so. Uh, that was about six months ago. I would, so the last time I, most recently, um, I had it checked and it was 19%. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're 19% body fat right now. According to those silly scales. Yeah. So you're very close to where you'd like to be. Yeah. How are you doing now? Are you maintaining it? I think so. Yeah. I mean, like I said, every once in a while I'll, do the little cheat thing, which I don't even think of as cheating anymore. Yeah, but now and then you just eat what you want. I pretty much eat what I want um, in the in the in the parameters of three plates and two snacks. And then every once in a while, I I'll have like a two thousand calorie party at the end of the night. So every once in a while, you have some treats, you enjoy yourself, you eat a little bit more, but you get right. It doesn't go a whole week. It's just like you get right back on track the next day. One hundred percent. And you're probably, I would assume, maintaining between, I don't know, 18 and 21% body fat? I would say that's fair. 
Well, just so you know, that's tremendously impressive in and of itself. Thank so you. it's funny. You just said not a few minutes ago, you've never been able to do this whole maintenance thing. Meanwhile, you're doing it right now. Maybe. Yeah. That's literally exactly what you're doing. And what I was going to say, if you had said, yeah, you were at like 28% body fat, what I would have said is how about your, your first goal is get to 24% body fat or so. Mm -hmm. and try maintaining that for a little bit. And then yeah. it, you can maintain that for a while, try and get to about 21% and try and maintain that. If you're maintaining this like 19 to 21% body fat right now, like you are literally doing exactly what you just said you could not do, right? It, it's what now what the real, the real discussion is, you've yet to be able to maintain an essentially unmaintainable body fat percentage. Okay. Does that does that make sense? I think so, yeah. I'm not going to say for every single person in the history of the world, especially we have to differentiate between men and women because they have different levels of body fat they can sustain um, without sacrificing their mental health. But I'm not going to say every woman in the world, it is impossible to sustain 17% body fat because clearly there are some, mm -hmm. not not the majority. At all. It is a very small percentage of women, usually, usually younger women yeah. uh, who can sustain that. And oftentimes they're younger athletes who are yeah. training for a large portion of their life training day. They're being very meticulous with their nutrition. You will very rarely find a woman able to maintain 17% body fat who doesn't essentially make training and nutrition the major priority in their life. So right. I don't think your issue is maintaining a healthy body fat percentage. I think your issue is being able to maintain an essentially unmaintainable body fat percentage. Right. I understand. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? Like, cause I think I could say that to some people and they'd be like, screw you. Don't tell me what I can and can't do, which I would respect that response. And like, maybe that anger would fuel you to do it. And then another response would be like, wow, I never thought of it like that. I didn't think that it was totally unmaintainable. I I'm interested to see where your thoughts are in regard to that. Um, well, I, I feel like where I'm at now is maintainable and I can do it in a really from a really happy place because it's a comfortable place for me to be mm -hmm. um i'm not uncomfortable i don't feel like um my life revolves around fitness and nutrition that's amazing it's a big part if you said i couldn't do it anymore i'll pick a dumbbell up and hit you in the head with it. <laughs> <laughs> i love that as you, you know, should my to hitting people in the head with dumbbells <laughs> that's a new york thing too it's definitely an East Coast person thing. I'm very into it. Oh, my God. So I'm really comfortable um, with that. But, you know, I feel like I'm not as lean as I'd like to be. And so does that mean I have to get – that's where the 17% comes up. Mm -hmm. I have pictures of myself from back then, um, and I'm like, holy shit. Like, you know, this is going to sound really vain. It, but it's okay. I think every single person is vain. And I think anyone who says that they're not vain in some sense is a liar, to be quite frank with you. I agree. I agree. But uh, so, yeah. So I I like to look really cut, you know, and I'm not as cut as Welcome I used to, to the be. Club. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I think, like, don't get me wrong. I've seen tremendous progress 
um, with my body composition since um, joining the inner circle, following the workouts and, and all the nutrition and stuff. But I'm, I feel like I'm just not quite there. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And, yeah. and, and I am going to, I will be the last person to tell you, you can't or you shouldn't get leaner. I would never, ever tell you that. If that's what you want to do, I encourage you to. I yeah. think I think what's important to remember here is no matter what you do, whether you decide to try and go to 17% or you decide to stay where you are, you will learn either way. You yeah. will learn something. Part of me, to be very frank with you, and, and I would not give this recommendation to most people. I, I wouldn't give this recommendation to most people, but based on – our interaction and what I can gather from you is I would encourage you to be honest. I would encourage you to try to spend four to 12 weeks getting to, to around 17% body fat. Okay. Now almost that response almost makes me want to take that back <laughs> because the response <laughs> doesn't give me too much excitement. Like if, if your response was like, yes, all right, let's go. Great. But if there's any hesitation with that, if you, if you think that that's going to lead to a negative relationship with food, then absolutely not scrap that out the window. The yeah. only reason that I would say, give it a shot is because at the very least you'll be able to see like, you know, what is this maintainable for me or not? And right. if I'm going to sit here and tell you that it's, unmaintainable, unsustainable for the vast majority of people. It's like, who the hell am I? Right. It's like, I'm telling you based on my experience, based on just cursory knowledge of understanding human physiology and number one, like what percentage body fat most women need in order to be healthy and to enjoy their food sustainably. Like most women will not be able to sustain that, especially as they get older. It's just, it's, it's very, very difficult. But again, who the hell am I to tell you what you can and can't do? I'm a very big believer in you trying things on your own and giving it a shot. Cause at the very least, if you give it a shot, then at least, you know, at least right, right. you'll be able to know if it's, if, and once you try it, maybe you'll be able to sustain it. And then maybe you won't. And you, you know what? Then you can go up to about 20 to 22% body fat, stay there, and then you'll know. I'll, I'll tell you from personal experience, I mean, I sustained anywhere between 7% to 10% body fat for years when training and nutrition were my life, when being a competitive power lifter was my life. And it was relatively easy for me because I never missed a workout for literally five years. It's because I would, I, I tracked all of my calories, all my macros. There was, I was never off track and it was relatively easy for me because that was my life. Yeah. Now that that's not my life, now that I like to enjoy a beer or a glass of wine, I like to have pizza on a regular basis, I carry around more body fat. It would be unsustainable and unrealistic for me at this point in my life to even consider having below 10% body fat because I would be miserable. I would hate it. I wouldn't be able to live the life that I enjoy. And I honestly really enjoy being able to wake up and have a bagel with cream cheese and be like, yeah, cool, whatever. Like I enjoyed that bagel and cream cheese. If I was trying to get shredded, that would not be in my regular routine. But yeah. you know what I mean? So you have to figure out where you are and what's important to you. So don't let me prevent you from doing what you want, but you also have to be very realistic and understand, listen, 17% body fat 
for anybody, but especially 17% body fat for a woman is very, very low and very difficult to sustain. No matter how good your relationship with food is, no matter how meticulous you are, it is just very difficult. So if you're happy with where you are now, if you're happy with seeing the progress you're making and you know as you continue to get stronger, as you continue to lift more weight, as you continue to change your body composition – you will improve. It might not be at the rate you want to improve, but you will continue to improve. Now you can make the decision on your own. But candidly, I think you're doing incredibly well. And whether you decide to go into a four to 12 week mini cut to really try and get to 17% or just stay more around maintenance right now, enjoy what you're doing and just crush your workouts. Either way, you're going to make progress. Okay. Okay. I like that answer. Um, But before we move on, we, we have to make a a set plan and goal and bright lines. We can't just say a cool, good answer. We have to come up with a plan because that's really what like the whole point of this is, right? Well, what is the plan? Yeah. We got to figure out, are you going to, do you think it's worth it for you to do a mini cut or do you think it's more worth it for you right now to stay with what you're doing nutrition wise, where you have some flexibility, where you can enjoy what you're doing and still make progress or like, which one do you think would be better? I think I'd like to try the mini cut and just see, how I feel and be more aware of it this time, because I I've done, like I said, I achieved it before as part of a challenge, which is a very, it's not normal life when you're in a challenge. That's exactly right. So maybe I get back there and I'm like, Oh shit, fuck this. That's exactly, you learn either way. That's exactly right. Right. And so then maybe like, you know, if we were to speak three months from now, I'd say, yeah, Jordan, fuck that. I ain't doing it. That was so <laughs> shitty. <laughs> That's the funny thing about pictures, isn't it? It's so funny where if if someone takes a picture and they feel very uncomfortable in that picture, they feel very either maybe they feel fat, they feel like they don't look good. Then years later, they look back at that picture. They're like, oh, my God, I looked so good back then. I can't believe when I took that picture, I was so uncomfortable and worried and self-conscious. Pictures are very interesting in that sense. Yeah. Right. It's like you might look at the pictures now when you were 17% body fat and think, ah, oh, I would love to look like that. But now when you get back to 17%, you might be like, oh, this is what it felt like. Totally not worth it. Tired, right. no sex drive, whatever it is. Like right. it might take you going back to that level of leanness for you to say, this is really not worth it. I would really like to have some chips and guac on occasion, and it's just not possible with this with this specific goal of having this low body fat percentage, or you'll get there and you'll be like, honestly, this isn't that difficult for me, and I really enjoy it. But either way, you'll learn and you yeah. can decide. So if you want to go with that mini cut, I say let's go for it and, and let's see how it works. Okay, cool. So then do you suggest – so I've been um, – in a deficit or trying to be in a deficit, right? Either through counting um, calories okay. or doing the three plate, two snack thing. Okay. Um, so do you think it would be wise because I'm close enough to it, the goal to go back to counting? You've been steadily losing fat while doing three plates, two snacks, correct? Yes. I don't see a reason to fix it if it's not broken, to be honest with you. If you've been, if you went from about 28% to 19% body fat, clearly it's working. Um, If you want a more accurate understanding of how many calories you're eating, then it makes all the sense in the world. The reality, my question to you is this, do you foresee counting calories as a sustainable option for you, regardless of what your body fat percentage is? Not over the long haul. I can do it for like brief periods of time, 
Um, but I, I really don't like it too much. I get too, it takes over my life. That's the answer. So the answer for you is we're going to try and get to 17% body fat without calorie counting. Cause if we okay. know the method is unsustainable, then the result is unsustainable, right? If the method you use to get there is unsustainable, then the result will be unsustainable inherently. Yeah. So if you've been losing body fat doing three plates, two snacks, and it seems relatively sustainable, then 17% might actually be sustainable using this method. But if the method is unsustainable, the result is unsustainable. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's why I freaking love you because I should know that already. But you it, just you're such a way of pointing things out. So thank you. It, it helps to have conversations like this because it, it's I have literally never said in my entire career if the method is unsustainable, the result is unsustainable. The only reason those words just came out of my mouth is because of this discussion. That's right. it. I like having these discussions. It's one of the reasons why like when I, I'm trying to come up with new content for YouTube, I'll sit down and we'll have an hour conversation with Rico because we'll we'll just come up with ideas through conversation. I guarantee you, Heather, that this verbiage, this phrase, if the method is unsustainable, the result is unsustainable, that will become a major part of my message only because we're 48 minutes into this conversation that we've finally stumbled upon that together. It's yeah. it's it's one thing to be in your head and to have the knowledge. It's another thing to shoot the breeze with someone else and really let the best of both worlds collide to figure out yeah. what's best. A hundred percent. I agree. So okay. how do you feel, do you feel confident and excited about the idea of continuing on the path you're on while monitoring your progress and seeing how you do over the course of the next month to two months with your body fat? I do because like I, back to what I was saying before, like the counting and everything, when I started your method of the three play two snacks, it was like liberating. And like, I have to tell you, like the fact that I don't have to analyze every damn morsel on my plate, that it's to make sure it fits into a macro count is uh, very freeing. Um, I was talking to Susan about it once uh, through the Q&A thing, like her live Q&A, yeah. and I almost started to cry because <laughs> because I'm a lightweight and I'm emotional, And but it, like the, the realization that it doesn't always have to be such a damn battle. That's exactly right. You know? It Does, doesn't um, have to take over your entire life. Yeah, and I'm so happy to, to be, to, to learn from you the three plate, two snack thing, because it is very sustainable. It's very comfortable. You know, Mother's Day, I was eating guacamole and chips. I don't give a shit. <laughs> That's amazing. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. That makes oh, me so happy. You. Thank you. So, yeah, I feel really happy to be in the place that I am right now because I feel like for the first time I have a real shot at um, sustainability and jumping off the yo-yo train. So I'm really comfortable here. So that, that makes me super happy. So let's do this. Let's do your, your plan. Your, we'll call it your, your North star. Your goal is we'll call it between 17 to 18% body fat. How does that sound? That sounds great. 17 to 18. Yeah, we can okay. make, if you want to do 16, five to 18, five, we could make that range. If you okay. want to make a little bit of a bigger range. I, I honestly think below 17 is too low, yeah. but it does give you a bigger range to go with. Or, you know, we could do 17 to 18.5. Okay. You want to do that? I think it's yeah. a, a better range. Yeah, that's cool. So, so that's the goal. Now the bright lines are essentially your guidelines, right? So we're going to, we know we're going to do three plates, two snacks, which clearly you've been doing very, very well thus far. Um, I would say, do you want to have a bright line in regard to 
uh, if we're going to do like, for example, the red X black circles, right? Do you want to have a bright line in regard to how many black circle days you can have every month? Yes. Perfect. I love that excitement. That, that lets me know this is a good idea. So how, how many black circle days per month do you think is realistic and sustainable? Um, so the black circle are the days that you don't come in, uh, on target. Is that right? Correct. It's where you, you don't adhere to the guidelines. Correct. Okay. So I think realistically I could have three. I think that wouldn't be too difficult. Let's call it four. Okay. I like you even better, Jordan. Let's call it four. So every month you have four black circle days and that means that you, all the rest of the days are red X's, which means you hit your three plates, two snacks or, and I don't even, I don't care about your training because clearly you enjoy it and you're crushing your training. I don't think we're going to have an issue with your training consistency. So you get four days each month in which you don't, you don't have to hit the guidelines hundred percent. I think it's important to say this is not a binge day. This is not eat as much as you possibly can day. This is a, a day where you can be more lenient. You can eat more calories than you would otherwise maybe indulge in some more foods or snacks or whatever it is, but four days in the month where you don't have a red X or you have a black circle. And I think that in about 30 to 60 days, we're going to see some pretty intense improvement in your body composition. Okay. Awesome. I'm in. How do you feel about hopping on another call with me in about 30 days to analyze both your progress consistency wise in terms of your red X black circles and also in terms of your body composition? I'm game. Amazing. So what I'll, what I'll need you to do is when we're off, just shoot an email to cat once, once we're off the, uh, once we're off the call and just schedule the, the call for 30 days. So what is it today? Today is the, uh, the 12th. So let's try for the, somewhere between the 10th and 15th of June to hop on another call. So okay. we can do this again and just see how you're doing. Okay, cool. So I have one more question or two. No, actually. no more questions. Yeah, of course. Anything you want. I'll stay here all day. Okay, cool. So I have a tour. I'll keep you here all day. I like to talk. Can you tell? <laughs> um, so I have a torn L5 and, um, you know, I I've gone to like different doctors for it. Um, I have a pretty good idea of how to kind of maintain um, the pain level uh, and and how to kind of get through life without um, it impacting me the way it used to. It used to like debilitate me where I couldn't even get out of bed or I couldn't drive a car. Um, so I've learned a lot from the doctors I've seen where I can kind of maintain that at home myself. But like with progressive overload specifically, um, like, you know, squats i feel like i can't get very deep because i get to a certain point and when you're kind of lunging off your heels yep. it's like right before i get to the point where i'm coming up it's like i feel like that in my back and the same with deadlift so i feel like i can't i'm not making a lot of progress because of my back in terms of progressive overload okay and what are your thoughts on that are you what kind of deadlifts are you doing conventional or sumo so right now I'm limited because, um, you know, I'm doing the home gym. I have, well, my husband built me a gym. He, um, That's my awesome. husband's the one that built that, uh, rower. Oh yeah. I loved that. Oh my God. That was incredible. What a great yeah. video. Yeah. I loved it too. And I use it all the time. It's fabulous. But, uh, so right now I'm doing deadlifts with uh 50 pound, uh, two 50 pound dumbbells. When I was at the gym, I could go higher. Okay. I think when I was How did gym, those deadlifts with the dumbbells feel? Uh, they're a little awkward because I'm so used to using a barbell, um, but I'm, I've gotten better at it. Um, but I could do the 250 pounds about 12 times 
Uh, wow. Are you are you deadlifting them from the floor? No, I can't go that. No, okay, I you're doing RDLs. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm doing it wrong, but I put the I put the 250 pound dumbbells on the bench. I will oh, go. Okay. I pick them up and then I just do a deadlift, not from the floor. Understood. Okay, so it's an elevated deadlift. Got it. Yep. Yeah. So I kind of I go down is like I go down for a three count, and okay. I end up going down like maybe an inch and a half, two inches below my knees, with my that's arms. A, a, that's a Romanian deadlift. That's perfect. That's exactly. What, and how does that feel on your back? That feels good. I have to be really conscious of it. The hundred pounds is doable. Um, if I was at the gym, um, I would you know I could do as much as 135, but not for 12. Maybe for eight. So that is your movement. I don't want you doing regular deadlifts from the floor because that is too stressful on your back. I would okay. say Romanian deadlifts are, are from this moment forward, your deadlift. Okay. okay. So basically exactly what you're doing about two inches, one to two inches below the knees, sending your hips back. You have a slightly, uh, less knee bend, right? Because you're not going all the way down. So slightly less knee bend, you send your butt all the way to the well, send your butt back all the way to the wall behind you yeah. and uh, you get a big stretch in the hamstring. This is what you'll be progressively overloading with, with this specific movement. And remember, there are many ways to progressive overload. It doesn't mean just adding more weight. So yeah. doing more reps with the same weight, using more time under tension. So t slowing down the movement overall, using more time to complete one repetition. Um, another way you could put more weight on the bar, whether it's through dumbbells or barbells or whatever it is, uh, you could add a pause at the bottom. So instead of just going, doing the whole movement, like up and down, you go all the way down, pause for three seconds, then come back up. That's another variation. You could do a one and a half repetition. So you go all the way down, halfway up, all the way down, all the way up. These are all different variations that you could progressively overload each okay. of them. So each variation gets its own new, uh, personal record, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I understand. There's no shortage of ways to to do that. So I no more full range of motion deadlifts. Just do RDLs. The, that's perfect for you. Uh, in terms of squats, what about a goblet squat? Does that hurt your back? So interesting. Um, I I learned from having the home gym because I would I never really did goblet squats to that much, or at least I did in the past, but with really lightweight, just high rep. Yep. So like pain wasn't a consideration at that point. Um, but so I, I do it with the 50 pounds and I put the bands around my knees and the okay. bands around my knees actually let me get a little bit lower into the squat. Makes total sense. So I can, I can touch my elbow. I can squat low enough that I could touch my elbows to my knees. Amazing. But that's it. I can't go any lower than that. That's all you need to go. You don't need to go lower than that. Okay. That's great. Okay. And there's no pain. Uh, Towards the end of it, um, it, it, you know, as it gets more difficult, obviously, and you're challenging yourself, your form starts to give a little. Uh, I, want well, you to, I want you to avoid that. Okay. Because if you continue with that, it will get worse. It, it's if there's – and I don't mean muscle pain. I don't mean like, oh, this is burning. I mean spinal pain, If you like sharp shooting pain. That's unacceptable type of pain. Yeah. I think a lot of people struggle with the differentiation between you're struggling, it's difficult, it's painful in a good way versus I think you're the kind of person who you're going to push yourself 
an outrageous amount and you might think you're being weak or a wuss if you give out. It's like you need to be very smart with yourself and understand the difference between muscular pain, and which is uncomfortable. That's what I mean by strength training isn't supposed to tickle. Like yeah. it's going to hurt. But you also have to not be an idiot and understand if you feel a sharp shooting pain in your back, trying to do that over and over and over again for the rest of your life is a very dumb idea. So yeah. if you feel that sharpshooting pain, you do not go to that range of motion anymore. Yeah. You know, um, the whole progressive overload thing and how you really make a lot of progress. If you don't do progressive overload, you're not going to get the same progress as you would otherwise. And I'm like, asshole, you've been at this weight for how long? When are you going to step up your game? So I think one of the best ways, and this is, I, I should do more content on this during quarantine, but I mean, one of my favorite ways to, to progressively overload, uh, if you have one single weight is, and this really sucks. It's very painful in a good way type of painful, but let's say you have a 50 pound dumbbell doing goblet squats. Then when what your, your first repetition, you go down to the bottom, to the bottom of your range and you hold that, that. Uh, bottom position for 10 to 20 seconds. You just let like the muscles start to burn. It just start like you just hold that bottom position with tension on your muscles for 10 to 20 seconds. Then you do your set and you go to 10, 15, 20 repetitions. And it is brutal. It it is the, the metabolic stress that you have, the good kind of metabolic stress that you get in your muscles from that is absolutely just beyond painful. I usually don't like to program that, especially for people who are beginners, because Oftentimes beginners don't like that type of pain. It can yeah. scare them away. But for people psychotic like us who actually do enjoy that type of pain, I would encourage you to try that. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> I can hear it. You're like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would not ever do that if someone came to work with me their first like few weeks. It's like they're new to the gym and it's very difficult. They don't like that pain. I would never encourage that. But for the psychopaths like myself who enjoy that type of pain, let, let's go. Let's give it a shot. Okay, perfect. And you can do that for the first rep. And if you really want, you can also do it for the last rep, right? Like, and what's going to happen is this is going to force you to use lighter weight, right? Right. So it's going to force you to go back down to 30 pounds or 35 pounds. And then eventually you'll work progressively overload your way back up to 50 pounds. And so I would start with holding it for 10 seconds at the first rep and then maybe then going up to 15 seconds then maybe going up to 20 seconds, then doing the whole set and then adding another 10 second hold at the the last rep, then adding a 15 second hold, then a 20 second hold. So you have holds on either end of the set while you're doing your reps in between and you can progressively overload that way. Perfect. So like a bookend. That's exactly right. Yeah, I love that. You okay. sandwich it. You sandwich the set with holds. Okay, perfect. So let me just look through my list real quick and then I'll and then I'll let you get back to life. <laughs> um, okay, so cardio. So I've been doing um three days a week. I do interval sprints. Okay. And I've been trying to like one of my little like small goals with that is to like I hate cardio, first off, let me just say. <laughs> When we used to do like the cardio end of uh, things at that hit gym, I would act like a five-year-old in my head. Like, I fucking hate this, but I, I would not never not do it. <laughs> so I've been trying to increase how much I can do that for. So I started out with like 15 minutes. I'm up to about 30 now. And then I get off. I do the intervals for 30 minutes. And then I get off and I go on the rower um, for like 20. So I'm up to like almost an hour. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah, and I'll do that once a week, and then twice a week I'll just do straight up intervals for like 30 minutes. Okay. So is that a, a, a fair 
type of cardio or does it get in the way of muscle gain or? Um, are your intervals very intense? Are they high intensity sprinting type things? Yeah. So for 30 seconds, um, I get my heart rate up to like 161. Okay. And is it, is it running? Like, is it sprinting? Oh yeah. Like I'm hauling ass. Got it. So yes, um, that, that can absolutely impede progress if you're doing it a lot. I'd yeah. say one to two times a week isn't probably going to, uh, impede progress that much. If you're doing it three plus times a week, yes. What I'll say though, is with the goal of cardio, you're more focusing on your heart rate as opposed to the actual muscles being used, right? It's not that it's sort of irrelevant whether you get your heart rate up from swimming or sprinting or rollerblading, like your yep. the goal of cardio is for your heart health. Um, and to increase, increase your, your lung capacity, your endurance on that front. If you were specifically trying to improve your sprint endurance and your running endurance, then yes, the methodology would matter. But what's important to remember about sprinting, sprinting in and of itself is a very high force, high impact, uh, exercise. It's arguably the most plyometric, the most high impact exercise in the world. Um, you could argue that or, or jumping, but I think sprinting really is more high impact because with every sprint that you take, you inherently have a landing that your body has to absorb with right. jumping, maybe with like a box jump, for example, you can make it so you have the concentric jump, but you don't have to fall back down and absorb it. Right. Yeah. So uh, jumping, you can sort of make it less high impact depending on how you structure the jump. Sprinting is very, very difficult on your body and your joints. And it can, if you're doing too much of it, it can impede progress, especially for your lower body strength. So if, if I'm not saying you not, I'm not saying not to do it, but I am saying it might be worthwhile considering, I mean, using the rower, um, using rollerblades, elliptical type of a thing, uh, swimming, uh, even something as simple as, if, if you wanted to do goblet squats, mm-hmm. like speed goblet squats as a, as a circuit, right? So you do like your speed, go- you hold on to a 20-pound dumbbell and, and you go up and down really, really, really fast as that's like your, your circuit of on, mm-hmm. that would be less impact than sprinting. Got and it. you still okay. get the cardio benefit yep. with, without the high impact of your, of your joints slamming into the ground with every rep. Okay. Okay. So then if I understood correctly, is it fair to say then like a steady state cardio would be better, what not better necessarily in the circumstance of, um, not impacting yes. growth with muscles. Correct. It, it okay. would not, not always. And it's not that hit will, uh, inhibit that inherently, but if you're doing it more frequently throughout the week, then All yes, right. absolutely. Okay, cool. My final question is, so, um, when are you writing a book? Um, well, no pressure. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to say it, but I'm actually, I'm currently writing a book. Shut uh, <laughs> I'm currently writing a book where I've been super frustrated because I've been going back and forth with the publishers trying to come up with a name. And I did not think this was going to be the biggest point of contention, but really? the, the names that they've been sort of trying to force down my throat I've been so angry with I've been like I am not naming my book what you've just it's like bewildering to me so uh, hopefully within the next six to eight months it'll be out Um, definitely corona sort of put a 
put a little wrench into things because like we don't know when all this is going to be over and the last thing I want to do is really put out this kind of a book when people are stuck at home I just don't think people are really into it right now Uh, but yeah so it's definitely it's in the works it's currently in the works Um, but I need to get a name and need to agree with that with the publishers and uh, yeah so that's currently in the works but thank you (laughs) I was just really throwing it out there I had no idea like I'm so excited I haven't announced it yet I haven't really told anybody yet so but I was like, I'm not going to lie. So yeah, we're currently working on it. <laughs> I love it. That's Thank so you. awesome. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about it. So hopefully the first of many, but we'll see. It could suck. <laughs> no, that's not possible. You are way too funny and insightful. That's just not possible. Thank you so much, Heather. I, I hope this was helpful. I really hope that this helped in some way. And, and I want to be honest, I... I mean, I love doing these types of calls. I, lo- I love getting on the phone with the, inter- with the inner circle members and talking. But, um, like, I feel like I, I had a very strong connection with you. I appreciate the honesty, the forthrightness. You are who you are. You say it like it is. You are very objective and self-aware. And uh, I really hope I get to meet you in person sometime soon. But really, thank you. This was this was incredible. Thank you. It was incredibly useful to me, and I'll look forward to speaking with you again for sure. Amazing. I'll talk to you soon. Make sure you email Kat once we're off so we can set up another call. I will. Absolutely. Amazing. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. That wraps it up for this episode of the Jordan Sight Mini Podcast. Again, Heather, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Quick reminder, if you want a 30-day home bodyweight workout challenge, I have my brand new 30-day Kick Corona in the Dick bodyweight workout challenge where every day I give you a new workout. I tell you exactly what to do so it's all clearly laid out for you. Every workout has an instructional video attached to it so there's no questions, no ambiguity. You can get it at jordansyatt.com. And remember... If you get Kick Corona in the dick, you get one free month in the inner circle as well. Have a wonderful day.